to a special episode of Paranormal Exile. We will be crossing over into true crime, which is always a good time. <laughs> well, I shouldn't say that. That's, true crime is not a happy time. But it did rhyme. It did rhyme. Horror poets. And that's fine. Oh my gosh, she keeps going. Hell yeah. Somebody give her a dime. <laughs> oh, now I'm like, ah. Mm. <laughs> but uh, yes, we want to try. I enjoy listening to true crime podcasts. Um, how about you? Yeah, I think um, I think it's fascinating, really. Like just the idea. Well, a lot of times that's how places become haunted is the energy that's put into place. Yes. So it you know it all ties in together. Ultimately, yes. yeah. And that's actually what we're trying to do with these um, episodes that we kind of want to put into place. Um, you know, at the beginning of um, Paranormal XL, it was strictly paranormal things um but we ultimately knew that we did want to cross over eventually into true crime locations that are haunted because that boom crosses both i but what doesn't that doesn't get any better than that to me well well yeah it's just because it's sometimes it's one and the same yes because you want to know the history um of a haunting i know i do like okay why is this child here haunting this location oh i get it now paranormal is to me 95 percent history it is because there's <laughs> there's um i mean at any given house they're not the first people that live there unless they are literally you know built that house but right. even if they built that house there's still energy tied to the land yeah. that land's been there for forever right it, you know so they weren't the first people to walk on it they're not the first energy to seep into the soil yeah you know, there's there's so much that's connected to places there is and i it, it, we i don't want to say we ignore that but we overlook that a lot when we see a place oh that looks cool that we keep driving or keep going mm-hmm. or whatever man what about the history behind it the history and feeling the energy of it it's 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 all there it's all in the roots yes. of it yes so with that being said this is going to kick off we want to try to cover at least correct me if i'm wrong <laughs> Sometimes I just throw out ideas before running them by Mama Mary. and oh, I don't care. I just go with the I, flow. I, I know she does. We both do. Uh, what our plan is for Paranormal XL Podcast is to at least once a month cover a haunted location with the true crime aspect. So if there is a haunted house, a haunted hotel, factory, wherever, mm-hmm. but then there's crime behind it, we, we want to cover that. Uh, just because even doing the 13 questions with PXL, Every single one of the crews that I've interviewed, they love true crime. So not all true crime people love paranormal, but paranormal people love true crime. And I think it's because it links so close together. So I kind of want to cross over the both of them. I think that would be fun and exciting for us. We're going to learn a lot, which we hope that we can pass that on to you guys. Yeah, it kind of brings everything like full circle. Yeah, as to why, like I said, this little girl's haunting here or Mm -hmm. this guy's haunting here. You gotta learn the history of it. That makes that way you know the full story. Otherwise, you only got fifty percent of it. That's true. You know, or fifty percent of an experience. Because you, this way, you know, if you learn your history before going investigating, you know what questions to ask. Otherwise, the spirit may be like, "What the hell is this person talking about? I am not going to communicate with them because they didn't do the research." (laughs) And that does happen. Yeah. yeah, you can be a medium and not connect with anything, and that's because they don't want to connect with you. They don't want to talk to you. Right, that, that happens all the time. But if you kind of go in there at a location and you kind of know what you're talking about, that you may intrigue their interest. Mm-hmm. Who knows? You don't know. I don't know. Nobody knows. We're just all winging it. That's right. <laughs> We've had fake, fake it till you make it. That's right. <laughs> Thank you, Jeff. If you're listening, you taught me that model. That's my old boss. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Jeff. I hope he's not listening. <laughs> I hope so too. <laughs> like these women are batshit crazy. Uh-huh. Oh, he knows I am. <laughs> oh, okay. We're good then. Uh, he actually is the one that told me about that garden. Um, that I went to go see on the east side of the state. 
Oh my god. I mm, all I can think about is Raymond Gardens because that's where Destiny liked to go and I <laughs> Oh, that one that had the the cool things with all the fifty states. Oh, okay. I still don't know the oh name of god. it, but don't judge us on that because we have had a full bottle of wine wine discussing yeah. the podcast before the podcast and what we've been through the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Well, we got to catch up. We do. I mean, catch come up. on. I like catch up. <laughs> not on my fries. What? You said you like catch up. I said not on my fries. You don't like ketchup on your fries? No. <laughs> I don't. I honestly actually don't like ketchup. <gasps> on anything? Yeah. Not my. Oh, wow. Not my monkey, not my circus. Oh, wow. I'm not, I'm not sure we can do this podcast. <laughs> I'm just kidding. When I was little, I however, I, I used to eat like a whole bowl of mustard. Oh, mustard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No calories in mustard. <laughs> That's, That's why I'm like. <sighs> That's true. And it gives it a little kick. <laughs> anyway, speaking of Iowa and Raymond Gardens, this week we are going to cover dun, 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 none other than the Velisca Axe Murder House, which, like I said in previous podcasts, that Destiny kept trying to get me to go to mom we gotta go down here we gotta go down here and then here i listen to these other podcasts talking about the Velisca house reading mm. articles not knowing not ever putting three and eight together <laughs> uh which makes 11 which is a fun number which breaks down to two in numerology Ooh, see we're so smart we don't even know it <laughs> it's, the, it's the wine talking it's the wine so uh, yeah, once I started putting everything together, I'm like, dur, 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 dur. and even talking to Sean, because he does the True Crime podcast, we talked about this case before. And he's like, babe, you know this, you know this case. Oh, nah. So I re-listened to the podcast that I listened to months ago. And then I'm like, Destiny. And she's like, Mom. So what we have today is... I learned that I am a hot mess, and everybody <laughs> is right. <laughs> that That's what happened. But anyhow, then, the Velisca Axe Murders. Da-da-da. And, uh, mm. yay wine, which we're out. And it's like 11 a.m. We're all right. <laughs> we're great. Anyhow, then, so the Velisca Axe Murder houses, houses? Mm, house is actually... Pretty big topic in the paranormal community, at least on the Facebook. I, and going to stay there actually is very reasonable. They let you rent out the house. Um, it's like 400 and something plus a 200 deposit that you don't get back, which I want to know if that is included in the 400 and something, if that makes any sense. Probably. Because otherwise, it'd be 600 and something. But you can have one to six people. You can have over that. But keep in mind, it is a smaller house because it was from, like, 1912. You don't want a whole lot of people in there. It just... You, you, yeah. You know, four to six is probably good. Otherwise, you're going to get too much commotion, too many vibrations, too many whatever have you. Too many batteries that could die if you're on the science side. Mm-hmm. Just saying. Uh, but you can run it overnight, but you have to take a sleeping bag, air mattresses, and whatever. Because the people that bought it the last time i believe in 94 they have they redid it oh they okay set it, everything back up to the way that it was in 1912 uh and opened it up it is now on in the history society it, it is marked a, a historian landmark did i say that historian landmark <laughs> close enough yes yay wine so you can go there you cannot sleep there are beds you cannot sleep in so that's why i say make sure that you're up for camping mm-hmm. your back's okay I tell you what, after this week at an air mattress, and I'm 37, ain't my cup of tea no more. <laughs> it ain't. It, it's like sleeping on a waterbed. And if you're not on that waterbed by yourself, if you're by yourself, it's cool, it's great, it's grand. You're good. You even put a kitty up there. You're done for. Well, you're done for because it's going to pop a hole in it. And it's going to be the end of it. But, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> you're all right. So, yes, by all means, if you get a chance to go to the Velisca house, do it. I think I it's definitely not out of reach for us. We have we need to keep going strong on the investigations around here for now and whatnot. I would like to get out there sometime, whether it be our whole crew or Mama Mary and I mm-hmm. and, and our husbands, because I'm going to be married in two weeks. I Yay. know. So, you know, not that they're into that type of thing, but 
they're good protectors. Not that they can take on a ghost, but they would try so we could get away. The, I'll give them that. The, that would work. Yeah. We'll shoot them in the leg and the bear will get them. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> we love them. <laughs> love you. But yes, you, you can go visit the Villisca House. It is in um, western, southern Iowa. Um, some of the other podcasts that I listened to said it was in the eastern part, but it is not. It is in the western corner. But it is within, because we are mid, what are we? Midwesterners? Yeah. I think that's what yeah. they call us. Midwesterners. It's a drive away. There's a meme on that that says, ah, if you live in the Midwest, they're like, oh, that's only a day drive. Where people anywhere else would be like, oh, that's an airplane ride. No, it ain't. You get in your freaking car, and you make all the stops you can on the way. You take advantage of yeah. that trip. That's why I am okay with driving places. Because if you know ahead of time... I'm all about spur of the moment road trips. Those are cool too. But give me like at least a week ahead of time. Cause then I'm going to be like finding all the cool cemeteries, the old ones, the mm-hmm. cool haunted locations we could find, the oldest places. You know, it isn't just about all paranormal, but the history in it too. Yeah. It's take your time. And there's a lot of history out in the Iowa way. A lot of people just say, oh my God, it's cornfields. No, there's like old Western towns out there, abandoned towns, just. There's a lot of cool shit out there. There really is. I lived out there for a few years. That's forget that I said that. <laughs> Moving along. <laughs> Anyhow, and back to the Velisca axe murders. So how we're gonna attempt to do these episodes is I'll cover the history and then the murders, and Mama Mary is going to cover the paranormal experiences after the murders and people that get to go there and the stories. The, the myths that go along with it, that type of thing. Um, now, I'm going to say this at the beginning because I'll probably forget at the end. If you have any cases that you would like us to cover, email those in. Yeah, that way we, we have more to talk about. Yes. More options. But then we are telling you stories that you guys want to hear, facts that you guys want to hear as far mm-hmm. as the murders go or a, let's say a strange fire happened. Now that location's haunted. The house is burned down. It isn't just the house itself. It may just be that location that's haunted because that, that's happened. Stories say. Uh, yeah, email us in. It's paranormalxl. At writeme.com. At writeme.com. <laughs> I got it. Excuse me. <laughs> All lowercase. Or send us a message, a personal message on, on our Facebook page, yep. which is at paranormalxl. Or you can just look up paranormalxl. It'll bring up the page, too. I'm not for sure. I get so confused on all the social media. <laughs> so, let's go back into time. Yeah. Does that sound good? Yeah. Let's go 1912. <laughs> That's my time machine noise. <laughs> we need another bottle of wine. I know. I don't have one. We're going to have to go back in time to this morning. <laughs> Rewind. I have a backup box in my refrigerator in the garage. That's good. That's not good because it's at home. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, we are back in 1912. They do not have box wine yet. Maybe they do. Maybe they don't. I don't know. We'll have to look into that. (laughs) Research. So I have, I'm going to let you guys know right now. So this may be all over the place only because I did wait until the last minute. I know the basics of this case just from listening, like I said before, to the podcast and stuff, what I did not realize until I started digging in, that there is a shit ton. Um, I'm going to swear in this one because this one is going to have to be explicit just because of some of the gory details that we do have to get into. Oh, yeah. So keep that in mind. Sorry about the language. Sorry about some of the things I have to say. They will be kind of hard to hear, probably. Uh, So with that being said, so in 1912... Let's keep in mind, in 1912, you know, okay, 1912, Villisca, Iowa. We have probably under 2,000 in population for Villisca, Iowa. It's a small, it's a farm town, as most farm towns, or most towns are in Iowa, unless you get into, like, Des Moines as Des Moines. (laughs) In the other bigger towns, you, you have a crap ton of smaller farm towns. I lived in a few of them. They were great. People are nice. You know, they, they are friendlier. Probably didn't lock their doors. Yeah. Even back in the day. Uh, they are. You kind of get that southern hospitality when you go there. Uh, they're just 
really good people down there. Uh, slow moving. I don't mean that in a bad way. They're just like, laid back, not in a hurry. Yeah, they're just like ah, it's another day. I'm lucky to have this day. You know, mm-hmm. I'm gonna go farm some shit. I'm gonna go do some other shit. Go plant some corn. Yeah, plant some corn. Now I'm gonna pick it and I'm gonna sell it on the side of the road. I tell you what, you won't get any better fresher corn <laughs> than getting it from one of those little side produce stands in Iowa. It's one of my favorite things to do. Mm. Or eat. Because <laughs> then we had to shuck it. And I'm not a big shooking fan. I'm not a shaker either. Shaker? Shooker. Shooker. You gotta, you gotta <laughs> shook that corn. It's good corn. You hit those. I remember driving sh- at night. You gotta time. shook the shit. Yeah, you gotta shook the shit. That's hard to say. Say that 20 shook times shit. They sound like Jimmer from uh, Moonlight and Escanaba. It's a movie about Northern Michigan or whatever. My Chevy shook a shit. (laughs) Anyhow, we'll have to to put that on the movie list because that's just a fun one. Driving at nighttime in Iowa through the cornfields and stuff, you get those big corn bores. They're like these, they're like overly fat roly polies and they smash on your windshield. Almost look like you were hitting full birds. Ugh. Oh, yeah. So don't drive at nighttime because you're gonna get those corn. What I call them? I have no idea. Not corn bores. That's what you call them. I think. Oh, sure. That's what we're gonna call. Them. They're big old bugs, and they're in Iowa in the cornfields. <laughs> <laughs> this is not a funny case. Why are we? We're just making it fun because that's what we do here at Paranormal XL. Oh, for we anything, we're the funny. Paranormal. That's right. We make a party out of the paranormal. That's what we do. Anyway, so we're back in 1912 here. Probably about June 9th, June 10th, because it happened. The murders happened over that night. They don't have an exact time. They do know when the house was dark and no, no movement because everybody had slept. So that was clearly the night of June 10th, June 9th, June 10th. Uh, around dad's birthday huh interesting also relates back to salem yeah dang dang um uh, sorry guys about the salem thing that'll go on forever <laughs> <laughs> so it, it the first and foremost the the Velisca axe murders were one of the most brutally known murders in america now back then you got to take into consideration that we didn't just go around carrying handguns. We didn't have our, our timber nines in our pocket. Mm-hmm. We didn't have our Winchesters. You know, we weren't just carrying around handguns. Uh, well, it was the Old West, but not that Old West. But, so, when murderers wanted to murder, it was a weapon of convenience. So, back then, to warm your house, what did you do? Cut wood. Cut wood. What do you use to cut wood with back then? An axe. An axe. Because we did not have chainsaws, because otherwise you'd be the chainsaw massacre, and this isn't what we're doing. <laughs> so, yeah. Back then, it would have been like the handsaw massacre. Oh, Jesus. Ugh. Oh, okay, moving on. horrible. Yeah. <gasps> we, I cannot believe. Do you have anything else? Alcohol mm-hmm. up in the house? Mm-mm. Not even fermented Mm-mm. juice anywhere? She's like, nope, sorry. Damn it. If we would have started this earlier, we would have taken it. Well, I, down I, I the drank the other post. bottle last night. So. Of course you did. I did. Because I drank mine too. <laughs> <laughs> and Dad's always like, how do you go through all of it? I'm like, well, it's literally like just if you're lucky, two glasses. Yeah, if you're lucky, you can get three. And that's half glasses. And that's the truth. Yeah. Yeah. Bottles of wine need to come bigger for people like us. Anyway. <laughs> so we're in Iowa. And it's 1912. And we're seeing all these axes because that's how you heat your house. Yeah. That's how you make things. That's how you get your furniture. You're making it. <laughs> Probably. You know, it's not like you're going down to the Walmarts in 1912 picking out a couch. That's true. You're going to axe the shit together. Anyway, so everybody's got an axe in 1912 because that's how we can stay warm. And in Iowa, I'm going to tell you because I know from experience, winters fucking suck. The snow drifts there get, like, at minimum six feet. Like, you can't Ugh. look when you're turning corners. It, it is horrible. So, yeah, you need an axe. You need an axe because you need to stay warm. Anyway, so we're in Iowa. I'm going to keep recapping. You guys are going to know this 
by the end of this, like, no other. I'm pretty sure this is going to be a two-parter, so this, we're just going to make this part one. <laughs> <laughs> so, 1912, we're in Villisca, Iowa. And these murders happen in a small town. Now, could you imagine? It's 1912. Everybody knows everybody. You're going to church. The night that this happened, that, that full day, it was... They had a, a children's mass at church. So all the, it was like a children's day, a kid's day at church. So everybody was there. So with that being said, so the night of June 9th, 1912. So they come home. This is Josiah and Sarah Moore. Okay. They come home from a church mass, children's. So it was like a day event for the kids. How fun is that, right? I know. So their daughter. So 1912, we're in Villisca, Iowa. 508 East 2nd Street, Villisca, Iowa, to be exact. Okay? So we have jo- Josiah and Sarah Moore sleeping upstairs mm-hmm. after that big event at the church. Um, then their son and their daughter, um, Herman Moore, which was age 11, Catherine Moore, which was 9. So Catherine, she's got friends. So, of course, in a small town back in 1912, everybody in the town's going to be at this church service for their kids. And yeah. the town itself. So, Catherine wanted friends to stay the night. So, so Catherine Moore, age nine, wanted her friends to stay the night. So, that is Lena and Ina Stillinger. Mm-hmm. They stayed the night. Uh, so, Josiah and Sarah were upstairs. Catherine and Herman were in their rooms. Okay. The Stillinger girls were downstairs. So, they're sleeping. Of course, you know, at that time, like I said, you, you got to really put yourself back in that time. Mm-hmm. So that's farming days. Yeah. Cropping days. Like you you wake up early, you milk the cows, you do all that jazz. So I would think they went to bed fairly early. But um which they did. There's no but there. <laughs> the times that are given, they said by ten thirty the house was still. Which makes sense because probably every house was still in the state of Iowa and the other forty nine states in America at mm-hmm. that time at that year. So nothing seemed off. So in the morning, you know, it comes early. There's no movement. Kathy's friends were, that stayed the night, were Lena and Ina. Lena was age 12 and Ina was age 8. Oh. And they said they, they slept downstairs. Um, Herman and Kathy slept in their room, which was upstairs, and so was Joel and Sarah. He is referred to as Joel a lot. Josiah was his name. Uh <laughs> They slept upstairs. So many of you that are probably listening know the basics about the case itself. So with that being said, they were axe murdered, clearly. Uh, It started with Joe and Sarah, where he, whoever did it, because it's it's an unsolved case, he was able to raise up hard and high enough to bring up the axe, he actually put marks in the ceiling. And when he went up, you guys can't see me, but I'm showing my home Mary. <laughs> and then came down oh. with the axe. There's marks still in the ceiling. I just got my bun. <laughs> um, without waking up Sarah. And then he does it to Sarah. And then he goes to the children's room. And then downstairs. And does it. Now... There is so much. That's the basic. That's what happened that night. They all got axe murdered. Now, with from further research, the the culprit went back through and pretty much did it like all over again after they were dead. Uh, the girls downstairs. Uh, one of them. I needed to have this played out more in my head and in my notes. My notes are all scattered because I didn't know which direction to go in with this case just mm-hmm. because there's a, a shit ton. One of the young girls, they claim, had her dress pulled up and she was positioned in a way that was... Sexual? Yes. Um, where her privates, her genitalia was open. Now, now I am laughing right now because Mama Mary has her bird on her head. Special guest. He is a special guest. Everybody say hi to Hobby. 
Hi, Javi. Hi, Javi. We tried to leave the house. He did not want us to go, so we had to bring him with us. <laughs> yeah, I kind of flew. So thank you. Okay, so when they were, when it was originally found that they were still in the house, I'm just giving you basic stuff right now. We'll get into cleaner type details in a little bit. So when they were discovered in the house, it was back then there wasn't like, you don't call the FBI or the crime scene investigators. You don't have any of that. People were tromping through. Oh, geez. Yeah. Okay. So any type of saving this crime scene was not going to happen. Conserving the crime scene. It was just, it was, it was done for. Uh, The town drunk was said to have taken pieces of Josiah's skull even. Yeah. Like, people were just coming in and out, in and out, in and out. Uh, it, to think back on it and to envision it would just be, wow. Why would First of all, why would you want to go see this, okay? Yeah. There's four children involved in this, let alone, you know, uh, absolutely, absolutely insane. There's Herman Moore, age 11, Catherine Moore, age 9, Boyd Moore, age 7, Paul Moore, age 5. As well Aww. as the Stillinger children. Okay, that makes eight. There we go. Makes sense. So, but the girls were Catherine's friends. That's why they were there. That's why Catherine's name stuck out to me. Um, So people were going in and out of the houses or the house. And, and to listen and to read some of, well, all of that was absolutely insane. Uh, not everybody back then was educated on how crime scenes work. If you weren't a sheriff or an yeah, investigator. Yeah, you wouldn't know any of that, really. Know. Yeah. Yeah. You were just like, oh my gosh, this happened in our small, quiet Iowa town. Holy crap. You know, that's how that would go. Uh, there are, there was, su- well, clearly suspects in the murder. So the history of Josiah, which was also Joe Moore, mm-hmm. uh, the dad, he worked for a state senator named Frank Jones, okay? Frank had a business, a um, a company. Now, Josiah worked for him for quite a few years. He left and opened up his own store. Now, he took what one of Jones's biggest... Like clients? Clients. Thank you. <laughs> clients, which was none other than the John Deere clients. Oh, okay. So, you... you you could kind of get a little... Makes sense. The first thing I kind of got was like it was a money thing. That's well, what it felt like. Yeah. He, I mean, that client alone would have taken a lot of money from Jones's company right mm-hmm. there. Um, so Josiah left uh, <clears throat> and he took the John Deere business with that company with him. So you're thinking, okay, okay, he's got motive. Frank Jones, the state senator, has got motive because he was a suspect. Actually, I believe he was the first suspect. But also with that being said, it was rumored around town that Josiah was having an affair with Frank Jones's daughter-in-law. Oh. So there you got boom, boom. Yeah. You know, not saying that it's true because, well, we don't know. But if it was and he thought that, back then it's easier just to get somebody murdered. Oh, yeah. Because back then you could almost justify it too. Yes. In a sense. Yes. Yeah. Oh, they clearly didn't have, like, anything that we do, like, today. Now, he clearly, whoever murdered uh, the Moors, they had gloves on. Now, there's other cases linked to this one, which we will get into. Uh, Now, because I believe back then that was pretty much the only solid evidence anybody could ever get as far as, like, investigating stuff Mm -hmm. would be the, the fingerprints. And eyewitnesses, of course. But you have to be able to trust your eyewitnesses, too, to be able to hold up yeah. in court and in front of a grand, grand jury. So the state senator clearly was questioned, whatnot. Uh, now, the rumors say that he, let's see, Detective Wilkerson, he, he was a, a very important part in this case. Now, his family was also murdered axe style. Oh. Yeah. I may have to recant that, but I believe it was his. Um. So, Josiah had an affair with Donna, which was Jones's daughter-in-law. Two things that would anger him. 
Detective Wilkerson accused Jones and his son Albert of hiring Mansfield to kill Josiah. Now Mansfield, he's a uh, he was known as Blackie. That was like his street name. He uh, wasn't a very good man. Uh, he was arrested in 1916. He also went by George Worley or Jack Turnbaugh. Allegedly a co cocaine addict and a serial killer, Wilkerson believed Mansfield killed his wife, child, father, and mother-in-law in Illinois, um, July 5th, 1914, two years after the Villisca murders happened. And in Kansas, four days before the Villisca murders happened, Jenny Peterson and Jenny Miller of Colorado were axed or murdered. Uh, that's why this case opens up when you get into actually talking about the case case itself opens up so much because so many people well not even so many people the people that were accused you're like yeah that makes sense but then you're like oh yeah this one makes sense yeah that's everybody has their own little motive so they, to yeah, speak their links to it which is absolutely bizarre to me uh wilkerson with all these other murders that have happened around the same time within months of each other i think it happened over like a year uh, Wilkerson says all the murders seem to have been like the same type of motive or uh, what happened at these locations. Um, one, one thing that happened with all of them was like those oil lamps. Mm -hmm. Okay. Each one had the oil lamps cause that's what they used back then. And they took off the chimney part of the oil lamp and the wick itself was turned, but they were left at all the bedsides of the, these locations of these different axe murders. Now, to me, either somebody was trying to copycat and they heard of these stories, or it was all the same person. See, there's belief that it was just somebody that lived on the railroad because all these towns were railroad towns. Mm -hmm. People would do it. Hop back on the railroad. Out you go. See, Mansfield, I do have more on Mansfield. Uh, I thought I had more on Mansfield. <laughs> Another thing that all the murdered locations had in common were clearly an axe. But again, you think back to that time, that was a weapon of convenience. <laughs> yeah. So yep. it was easy to get. But like Sean said, because we discussed this case, he's like, well, if somebody was a hired hand, like they thought the senator hired Mansfield to do it, why wouldn't they bring their own? Which I was like, you know, you're right, but at the same time, why would you bring your own at risk of leaving it there or something happening? Yeah. When you know for for pretty 99.9% .9 sure that every household in whatever is going to have an axe or he just picked that up because that was the closest thing. Or maybe he was thought he'd go in and snap all their necks. Yeah. You, know, you, you just don't know. Uh, but with that being said, it came out that in their barn where the hay was, it looked like somebody was, had been laying in that hay. Oh. And then there was, like, a crack or whatever in the wall that led into, like, the house that, like, you could see in the windows of the house. So maybe it was a drifter. And maybe he was just kind of trying to sleep a night out in the, in the hay in the barn. Mm-hmm. And he was like, oh, hey, here's, here's an axe. Let's go at it. You know, there's so many what-ifs because this is an unsolved case that... Makes you think and yeah. wonder. Yeah. yeah, for sure. And the the hauntings or the the activity that is said to have taken place in this house since then makes sense. I I think the right medium needs to go there, mm -hmm. and maybe they could get answers. Definitely. Or help them because those kids, especially, it's really hard to talk about. Uh, it was hard to dig in more to that because they are children and those young girls with the way that that one was left. Uh, well, yeah, that makes you wonder too, is how, how did they sleep through all of that? That's one thing that that's a big thing through like most people question, even nowadays, over a hundred years later, it's um, how did you sleep through that? So he must have, when he went and initially killed everybody, he must have hit them hard enough on that first blow. Now, they believe that one of the girls that was sleeping downstairs had woken up. Why? I don't know. Maybe her eyes were left open or maybe she, because there was no sign of struggle. Yeah. Was a lot of it too. Um, 
was something that was said. Not that the the final report would say that because, like I said, so many people came tromping in this house after it happened. People wanted to look. People were curious. Mm-hmm. Can't be mad at them for that because we don't know. That stuff just didn't happen in little small towns like that. Everybody knew each other. Yeah. You know, and after that, it really messed up the town. You know, well, I can it was imagine. All these families sleeping together in a room, like all huddled together. And it's just tragic. And then having to go in and see some of that and then not realizing because one of the detectives came back out and said, do not go in there. You will never be the same again. Like that was, yeah, do not go in there. You know, he warned them and people went in and of course it was bad to sleep after that because that's what you envision. Like, you Oh, yeah, it's scary. scary. That is so scary. And those are humans. Those are people that you just went to church with the night before. And then you're looking at all the townspeople, you know. But there were people that had, I don't want to say straight up vendettas against Moore, but, or not even reasoning, but had reason to be mad at him or upset with him, which, depending on the person, the level of upset that would trigger you to murder somebody is all different. Oh, yeah. Yeah. but another thing, besides the axes and the axe murders that happened around all in that year, where all the mirrors were covered. And I know they used to do that. Well, they would do it as symbolism of someone dying, but it would so the souls don't get trapped. So it would be. It almost sounds like it would be somebody who had some kind of semblance of remorse. That was my first thought too. Um, like I said, I listened to other podcasts that covered this, and that's one thing. You know, the mirrors covered in the homes, they can't understand why. But us also coming from the spiritual side with the paranormal XL stuff, that was the first thing that came to me. I was like, he felt remorse. Because I do believe he had ended up covering their faces. No. And see, the first thought was he didn't want them to watch him while he's murdering them. I don't believe that's what it was. I believe, because they were sleeping. How are they going to watch? No, it'd be dark. Well, they'd be sleeping. You're not watching. He's bludgeoning them as they're sleeping. To me, it was a remorse thing. Maybe I watched too much true crime shows, like Criminal Minds and whatnot. (laughs) But I know that that is a symbolism of that. And then people believed in the spiritual ways. They didn't necessarily call it the spiritual ways, but believed in stuff like that where you would cover your mirrors. That superstitious belief. Yes. And that stuff. I I thought that was uh, a strange strange thing not not strange but i think it means something else from what everybody else has claimed it's meant yeah uh, another thing was the burning lamps like i said uh, with, with the wicks and then the chimneys the, the glass that are on top of it were left at the end of the bed now at the Velisca house there was bacon wrapped in a towel left on the floor now my fiance and i were talking about this now he heard a different sick story about that I haven't heard that, uh, so I didn't know maybe there was, I don't know, some symbolism in that, or maybe he was hungry. I don't know. The story that he heard is that, or had read, was that whoever did these gruesome murders masturbated into this bacon in the towel over the deceased bodies. Oh. And I'm like, okay, look, wherever you're getting your research, you need to quit. You need to stop. <laughs> uh, I, but strange things like that but then I asked him I said now back then how would they know how would they know did they have the correct tools and computer programs to say yup that's semen because well that's for the most true. part it's clear you're in bacon it's greasy you're in a towel it gets soaked in that's uh, a good point <clears throat> I do know, like I said, one of the young girls were left in a not so proper way, mm-hmm. a sexual way, uh, which is super sad. Uh, but then that kind of would fall into what he had read. So, I mean, there's so many what ifs on this. Now, we've only gotten to the senator as far as suspects in the murder. So, <clears throat> well, no, the senator in Mansfield. So, with that, there is also the Reverend George Kelly. Reverend George Kelly, he was arrested in 1917. He was a traveling preacher. Him and his wife settled in a small town in Iowa. He was arrested 
and charged with the murder of one of the victims, um, supposedly confessed, and then he recanted that, and then it ended up making a mockery of the police department. Um, he withdrew his confession before the trial started, and then, it, then the trial resulted in a hung jury, so he was let off. Really? Um, he was there that day. Uh, they were invited to the children's mass at the church. So he was there, but he left. He hopped on a train in the middle of the night. Hmm. Yeah. So, like, there's his. You're like, okay, interesting. He left out of, like, nowhere. He was there. And then he confessed. And then, like, what the hell, right? But then, so you're like, okay, that's a, that's a what if. Then you also got the what if of the... The senator. The and senator. And he had motive. The senator, by all means, had motive. Yeah, he had definite, you know, definite motive. Yes. It, it's... I said there's so many what ifs. Um, now, the federal officer, McClary, he claimed to have solved 23 murders, which... One of them is the Velisca murders. He said Henry Moore, which is no relation to the Moore family from Velisca, um, did it. Uh, Henry was convicted of murder. Uh, he was his mother and grandmother were found just as brutally murdered as the Velisca wow. house. Yes, uh, with an axe. Um, see, 1990, Henry lived with a family in the Franklin, Iowa area he worked as a farmhand which most drifters would back then mm -hmm. you know they stay a couple months save up a little bit to be able to travel so <clears throat> he was also said that he fathered a, a a child from the farmer's daughter too the, this henry moore which kind of came out of nowhere from the from the mcclary federal officer stating this so with that being said uh, Henry had got taken in on forgery charges and was released in April 11th, 1911. Uh, at that time, it is stated that he lived with his mom and grandma during 1911 and 1912, but he left to take a job on the railroad. So, with that being said, started out like his family members were murdered by an axe, essentially all the same way as the Velisca house. So, he leaves town work on the railroad which means he's traveling so then these other murders happen during that time that he is gone he actually gets sentenced to 36 years in prison wow yep i i would have to say that's probably the closest thing now one thing i heard sorry like again this one i wish i would have given myself a bunch more time to research i because there's so much and everybody's probably lost <laughs> right now uh Another thing that was in common with these, in another podcast that I listened to, they said they were unfor sure, but I did find it, and it said the doors were all locked in all these houses. I have a couple theories on this too. Uh, how what was left, what was left unfastened, was like little doors in the back of the house, which would leave entrance way mm -hmm. for an intruder. Now, when Sean and I were talking about this, I said, okay, let's say the doors were unlocked. Nobody knows. It's back in 1912. Yeah. You know your neighbors? These are little farm towns these, these axe murders are happening in. What's to say he just didn't walk through the front door, locked it, and climbed out the, the little window in back? That's true. But essentially, it's all the same thing that, that they claim or speculated to happen is that all these doors were locked. They got in through the back because the back window was open. Now... To me, I'm thinking of all angles. Yep, that could happen. He got in and out that bad. I don't know. Maybe 75% chance that happened. But back then, who's to say? Did they have deadbolts back then? Yeah, I don't... I mean... <laughs> when you think about it, maybe they just did walk through the front door. Because everybody did know each other. They looked out for each other. That's how those bodies got found. Yeah. Because there was no movement in the house, so the neighbor goes over you know, that's how it happens. To me, if I was to be an investigator, I'd be like, I bet this door was open. And then he locked it. Just thinking that he was trying mm -hmm. to outsmart people. Yep. 
as it happened from within. Uh, but there's so many what ifs, and that's the problem with open cases or unsolved cases, that there is so many what ifs. Because let's say there's three or four different axe murderers out there, but they all heard of each other doing these things, so they were trying to be a copycat. Yeah. That could, that's always a possibility. I mean, there, there's so many. That's the thing with true crime. That's why we didn't do a full true crime <laughs> podcast, because we'd be sitting here all day playing a puzzle. Now, I don't even know where I am with the whole story. We got the essential. We got the uh, the suspects. There, I believe there was more that you know got questioned, essentially, and went out. But those were the ones I know that stuck out to me. The whole thing is just tragic. Now, could you imagine being those little girls that were no. friends? Yeah, I could imagine being, um, you know, the parents of those little girls who just went over to somebody's mm. house. It's mm. it is it is, yeah. I can't. I just can't imagine. Yes, and uh, a fact is it was a two story house, so it wasn't like he. And that's another thing is like okay, where were these latches in the house that say you know the back window was open or whatever? That's how they got in or whoever did it, murder or murderers. Was it on the second floor? Was it? You know what I mean? Like, I, oh, there's just so much. And I said, one of the things with an axe, again, it could have easily been a situation where the story travels of an axe murder. Mm-hmm. Somebody takes on the little little cues from the other ones. Well, of course, everybody's got an axe at their house. It's 1912. That's how we heat the houses, you know, to do it yeah. that way. There's so many, so, no. so many what ifs. So, you know, what if it was a drifter? A drifter they found in the barn when they got home and they invited him in for dinner. Yeah, exactly. N- nobody essentially knows because nobody was alive to tell what happened that night after they got back home from church. Yeah. You are absolutely correct. Maybe it was just a drifter. Or maybe it was somebody that they knew. Yeah. That they let in the house that stopped over. Uh, maybe it was that senator. Maybe it was uh, Mansfield that the senator... I mean, it could have been any. Who's to say it wasn't the daughter-in-law? Yeah, women could be pretty crazy sometimes. It's all speculation that it's a man because of the strength. But we don't know how big the daughter-in-law was. For all we know, she could have been huge. Yeah, you never know. She she could have been, you know, one of those manly women. Yeah, Donna. I was looking for her name. You know, who's to say it wasn't the son? I mean... There's so many more people that they actually could have went after that maybe they did. I don't know. The, the research took me all over, and I apologize for this episode being like this. I'm super psyched, excited to be talking about it for sure. But once I started digging, there was so much in so many directions. It's like, which way do you take? Yeah, exactly. Uh, and it, yeah, it, it was just crazy. Now, the kids being murdered, that's clearly probably the hardest part for anybody. Somebody... Or if you want to know more in depth, or somebody that can explain it better than me, <laughs> uh, Mike Dash, he's an expert from the Smith Smithsonian. He knows things. Uh, just from the history, he's he's investigated the history. Same with, and I want to get this name right, Ed Perley. But if you go to asked.com, he's done a ton of research over the years on this case and anything you can want to know about is on this i just didn't have time because like i said we could make a whole podcast series on just this case by mm-hmm. going into everybody's story like it's just crazy and say so to know that there is hauntings there is no surprise oh yeah you know uh <laughs> it is absolutely no surprise that some of the stories that have come and came from that location from over a hundred years ago is absolutely insane. But again, the children, the children. <laughs> Let's see. The oldest son of the Herman uh, of the more children was Herman. He was born in 1901. He was 11 at the time that he was killed. It was said to to be that Herman was with his was his dad's like son. Like he was always by his side. He was mm-hmm. learning from his father. He was a man's man, you know. Uh, Catherine, born just two years after Herman, she was born in 1903. She was 10 years old when she was killed. The Stillinger sisters, Lena and Ina, were close friends, and it was at Kathleen's request that they spent the night the night of the murders. Ah, so sad. Boyd and Paul were the youngest of the Moore children, aged 7 and 5. Respectively, at the time of the murders, only one picture of the 
of the two boys was ever brought out. Uh, the, the pictures show that they were obviously taken when the boys were much younger and they were at the time of their deaths in 2012. So like back then, I mean, to get photographs taken, I would assume you'd have to be of the wealthy kind. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, if not, if they were even painted portraits at that time, you that, that was very... I mean, I'm assuming they were had to be halfway wealthy if he started his old company and took fucking John Deere with him. Yeah. I mean, yeah. They had some kind of money. Yeah. Uh, the Stillinger sisters, they were... Uh, the children of Joseph and Sarah Stillinger. They were born at a... This is so choppy. They were born on a film just outside of Villisca. Lena was 12, um, and from the position of her body, it was concluded that she was the only victim that had attempted to fight off her attacker. That's what I'm saying. She, out of all eight of them, she was the only one that... Maybe she was the last one, and that's what finally triggered her awake. Yeah, maybe. She was the only one to show a struggle. I can't imagine, because that's like my son's age. Yeah. You know, and you're just thinking, oh, I had this fun day at this church event. I'm at my friend's house. This is awesome. Mm-hmm. And, boom. Yeah, it's what you wake up to. It's absolutely horrible. Like she, it, it sucks, because she wasn't strong enough to take on whoever did that to her, to where we could have known what really happened. Yeah. Maybe it's her spirit around the house. She's just find, trying to find the right person to say, hey, this is what happened. This is who I saw. Because she would essentially be the only one to know. Because I would assume if you were killed in your sleep, murdered in your sleep, you still want to saw that person's face. You still want to know who did it. Oh, yeah. You know, she would be the spirit that you want to connect with, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, am I wrong? I mean, no. I don't realize a lot of this stuff until I say it out loud, so I probably sound silly, but... To me, that's how I would take it. Mm-hmm. No, it makes sense. I'm drowning in my wine.